1: What's up? Y'all already know who this is. It's Keyshawn with the Thursday edition of this Undisputed Extra. Today, I'll go through my mid-season NFL awards, preview week 10 games, and react to the best things my crazy producers found on what I hate, the internet. So let's get started.
2: Keyshawn, we're roughly midway through the NFL season. RG3 dropped his top five NFL MVP candidates. First up, he has AJ Brown, at the two spot, Lamar Jackson, three, Jalen Hurts, four, Tyreek Hill, and at the five spot, Tua. Keyshawn, where is he right and where is he wrong? Give us your top five.
1: I mean, when I look at it, he's not completely wrong about some of the names that's on there. AJ Brown, he's not completely wrong about, but, he's not going to win the MVP race. When you look at Tua, nah, not so much. Lamar Jackson, Tyreek Hill are probably the two that could hover around my MVP candidates. But for me, I start off with Lamar Jackson. Then obviously there's Patrick Mahomes. No question about it. You're going to have Patrick Mahomes in the mix. You ain't going to have Jalen Hurts is in the mix. And then one out of the wild cards, out of all of them for me, is CJ Stroud. When you look at CJ Stroud and look at the performance that he's been able to do thus far at the midway point, historical as far as a young quarterback in the National Football League, no other quarterback in the history of the game has done what this young man has done. Through eight weeks of football season, they're four and four. He has 14 touchdowns to one interception, despite a new head coach, a new offensive coordinator, and When you talk about the weapons around him, he doesn't have Tyreek Hill, by way, who's on my MVP short list is Tyreek Hill finishing up at the fifth spot. So when you start to really dive into it, will this rookie win the MVP? What if they win the division? And what if he's got 30 touchdowns to five interceptions and they win the division and he continues the ball out? Do you erase him completely from that conversation? I don't think so, but Lamar Jackson is my MVP. CJ Shroud with the hot
2: take. Let's get into some more awards, starting with Defensive Player of the Year. Obvious choices that come to mind, Micah Parsons, TJ Watt, Miles Garrett. Is your pick one of these three guys or does someone else come to mind?
1: No, it is one of the three. My pick is certainly one of the three. TJ Watt is certainly there. Michael Parsons has a sexy, hot name. If people want to build it up, it's the Dallas Cowboys. But the guy in Cleveland, Miles Garrett, is a game changer, a game wrecker. You see what he did the other day. Blocking field goals, they scooping and scoring, sacking quarterbacks. I mean, he's just consistently balling out in Cleveland. But the fact of the matter is, he's in Cleveland. So nobody really... Is paying much attention to him unless you are an NFL guy. If you're an NFL guy, you know exactly who Miles Garrett is. If Miles Garrett was in Dallas or Miles Garrett was in San Francisco or Miles Garrett was in New York or one of the New York teams, we'll be talking about one of the greatest defensive ends in the history of the game is the way it would be built up. So Miles Garrett right now is my defensive MVP.
2: All right, moving to the offensive side of the ball. We got Tyreek Hill, CMC, AJ Brown. Who's your pick for offensive player of the year and why?
1: My pick for offensive player of the year right now is a toss-up, if I could do such a thing, between Tyreek Hill and A.J. Brown. I, I just, A.J. Brown's been able to do some things that nobody in the history of the game outside of a guy like Michael Irvin was able to do. When Michael Irvin was playing, he went on 11 straight 100-yard games. You know how hard that is. A.J. Brown has six straight, 100-yard games. You know how hard that is. That's very, very hard. I don't think people realize those sort of things. And then you talk about Tyreek Hill. Both of these individuals on course to eclipse over 1,900 yards at the receiver position. I just think long-term, if we're talking about Offensive Player of the Year, A.J. Brown has a longer runway than Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill has to worry about whether or not his quarterback can stay healthy. He has to worry about ways teams trying to take him completely away from it. And A.J. Brown just keeps cooking. He just keeps cooking. His team's sitting at 8-1 and one right now. How could you not vote for a guy like this?
2: Keyshawn, is A.J. Brown the best receiver in the NFL?
1: A.J. Brown is one of my five. I don't like to rank wide receivers. I don't want anybody being mad at me. So I like to say one of the top five guys because Devontae Adams is in... Oakland, or Las Vegas, not Oakland, I continue to keep calling him Oakland, but Las Vegas playing with not-so-good quarterback offensive play. He's still one of the top five receivers, because if you insert him into a lineup with a dominant quarterback, imagine what that looks like. Then you got A.J. Brown, you got Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson's been put on the shelf. So when you start to kind of look at this, you know, you say to yourself, He's one of the top five, because I don't want to just say one guy, two, three, four, five, because I don't need nobody mad at me.
2: (laughs) According to DraftKings Sportsbook, these are the most recent odds for coach of the year. Lions head coach Dan Campbell is plus 180. Dolphins head coach Mike McDaniel is plus 400. Texans head coach D'Amico Ryans is plus 500. And the Jets head coach Robert Sala is plus 1,000. Keyshawn, who is your pick for coach of the year?
1: My pick would be D'Amico Ryans. As I said before, you got a new head coach. Dan Campbell's done this before. His team was good at the end of last season. Coming into the year, a lot of people expected them to win their division, go to the playoffs, and make some noise in the NFC. Nobody, no, I mean nobody, can sit here and look at us in the face and say, oh, I thought that the Houston Texans were going to be 4-4 four and four, and their quarterback was going to be an MVP candidate. Lies, 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 and more lies. So... I'm giving it to D'Amico Ryans going away. Keyshawn, take a
2: look at our buddy Craig Carton's top four AFC and NFC power rankings. In the NFC, he's got one, the Eagles, two, the 49ers, three, the Lions, and at the fourth spot, your boy Skip Bayless is Cowboys. In the AFC, Craig's got one, the Ravens, two, the Bengals, three, the Chiefs, and four, the Dolphins. Keyshawn, who are your top four teams in the NFC and the AFC?
1: I would say in the NFC, I'm going Eagles, Detroit, Niners, Cowboys. And I only reason why, the only reason why I put the Niners, who's on a three-game uh, skid in front of the Dallas Cowboys, is because they beat them. That's the only reason why. And I slash Dallas in there with Seattle. They play each other in a couple weeks. This will certainly determine a lot in terms of the outcome in the NFC. And in terms of the AFC conference, I'm looking at Baltimore, Kansas City, Cincinnati, slash Miami, slash Buffalo. That's kinda my top five. Even though it's six teams, I'm slashing, so I give them half and a half at the fourth spot. So uh, the fifth spot, better yet, and it makes two teams there. Keyshawn,
2: who's the best team in the NFL overall?
1: I believe the best team in the NFL overall right now has to go to the Philadelphia Eagles with the Baltimore Ravens slightly behind them.
0: Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real Steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
2: Let's stick with the NFL. I'm going to give you three matchups, starting with the Texas versus the Bengals. CJ Shroud is coming off a record-breaking week and is looking to put a stop to Joey Burrow and the Bengals' four-game hot streak in Cincy. Make your pick for this game, Key.
1: Well, I'm going to take the Cincinnati Bengals and Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd in the defensive side of the ball. I understand D'Amico Ryans and this young cast of characters in Houston is playing pretty good football right now, and the quarterback is playing lights out. But Cincinnati's won four in a row. They're at home. They can smell it. They can smell a division. They can smell the playoffs. They completely have turned their season around from the start of the year when Joe Burrow was kind of hampered with a little bit of a calf injury. So I could not pick the Houston Texans in this situation. I'm going with the Cincinnati Bengals.
2: Up next, we got the Niners versus Jags. Both teams are coming off a bye. The Niners are licking their wounds after a three-game skid while Trevor Lawrence and the Jags look to move to 7-2 and two on the year. Who
1: you got? I'm going to take the San Francisco 49ers in this situation. Steve Wilkes is coming from the box down to the sideline so he can have better communication with his defensive unit. Then when you look at it, they bring in uh, Randy Gregory, from the Denver Broncos a couple weeks ago, so he's getting used to it. Now, all of a sudden, Chase comes over from the Washington Commanders to go along with his former Ohio State teammate in Bosa. You hopefully will get Trent Williams back. Debo Samuel will be a little more healthier. So you start to look at this physicality of San Francisco 49ers on this three-game skid. Brock Purdy's got to get back to form before they start talking about taking the quarterback in the draft, and Kyle Shanahan knows in order to win the division, They've got to win this game. In order to stay pat in the conference, they got to win this game. I like Jacksonville, just not this week against the San Francisco 49ers.
2: Lastly, divisional rivals, the Browns versus Ravens. MVP candidate Lamar Jackson versus Defensive Player of the Year candidate Miles Garrett face off in Baltimore. The Ravens are favored by six. Will the Browns get the upset?
1: You know, the Ravens are favored by six points in this game at home. I don't think Deshaun Watson and Miles Garrett go into Baltimore and upset the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens have found something, especially in the uh, passing game. Very precise uh, in the passing game for Lamar Jackson. They're finally starting to use OBJ a little bit more. He's getting involved. People are starting to see that. You got Nelson Aguilar. You got uh, DuVernay. I mean, you just got... A, a, a nice group of talented players finally, and Mark Andrews at the tight end position, finally around Lamar Jackson in the passing game. We already know what Lamar is. We know what he could do. But then again, the defense, the defense is playing lights out for the Baltimore Ravens right now. It's kind of getting back to that Raven style of football. They're not running the ball at an extremely high clip. They got a mix of balance. Hopefully the hardball Michigan thing doesn't affect his brother in Baltimore, I don't think it will. I'm taking the Ravens.
2: Moving on to the NBA. The Dylan Brooks versus LeBron James trash talk saga continued last night. After Brooks claimed he was going to lock up the King, he was seen staring down LeBron before the game. The pair also had a mid-court stare down during the first quarter with neither guy backing down. The Rockets got the last laugh this time, Blowing out the Lakers 128-94, to 94. but Keyshawn, we want to know, who was the most annoying trash talker you ever faced in your NFL career?
1: You know, I, when you start thinking about trash talking, nobody really was annoying. Really the ones that, I don't know, I, I really didn't pay attention to many dudes that would try to talk trash, because the ones that tried to talk trash, they couldn't play actually on the field. They just weren't, they were not good. They 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 use that as as false bravado. Then they go out there and they get torched. So the good players, like the Deion Sanders and the Charles Woodson's of the world, the, the Patrick Sertan's, the, the Sam Madison's, the Ty Laws, that they just didn't say anything. They just, we just played football. We were buddies, and that was what it was. But the dudes that actually could not play, that were hot garbage, those was the ones that's like... And you have to tell them, man, if you don't be quiet, like, you know... And then we get into it at that point, it became a real trash talk battle. But clearly, I won all the trash talk battles. It wasn't even close. So because there's nothing they could say to me. So it's safe to say nobody threw Keyshawn off his game. Oh no. Nobody threw me off my game. That was a waste of, that was a waste of breath and, and conversation to even try to have, man. <laughs> you, you, you trying to talk trash to me. You wasted your time. You 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 are going to embarrass yourself and then I'm going to let everybody know how embarrassed you are by just simply turning to the media post game and letting them know what I did to you.
2: Speaking of media, let's get into some social media world with some videos we want you to react to. We talked a lot about Raiders interim head coach Antonio Pierce this week. Take a look at this. Uh, practice squad players on the on the sideline <clears throat> yesterday. If, yep. if that is the case, um, why was that important for you to to have them down there on the field? They, ra- they, they got a Raiders uniform. Them guys bust their tails. You know, last week was just two days. This week will be three days, and they're getting us looks both on offense, defense, special teams. They're working out in the morning. They're in the meetings. They're in everything about it. But then on game day, where are they? I, you know, I don't. I, you know, that wasn't my belief. Um, I've been at other places either as a coach when I was in high school or college. Every man's in, man. If you're on a team, you're a part of the team, you're there on game day. And I just felt the way that we practiced those two days and what we asked them to do, they deserved to be on our sideline. They earned that right. And I hope they don't stay on practice squad. I hope they push themselves to become on an active roster. And that was the carrot I dangled in front of them. And they brought energy on the sideline. Now it was a little, a little busier than we used to, than I'm used to, but you know what? I'll take it when they bring that kind of juice that they did. Keyshawn, do you like this precedent Antonio Pierce is setting in Vegas?
1: I do. I do. It's totally different than the norm. Um, I've had it both ways. Bill Parcells was a very strict coach that didn't want extra guys on the sideline because he felt it would be a distraction when guys aren't playing. They're talking to players that are playing. things, that, But that was his mindset. Coach Tony Dungy had a different mindset, much like a- Antonio Pierce. AP says, hey, you worked your butt off all week long. You You deserve to be a part of what we're doing. You don't need to go sit in the stands. You don't need to go sit in a press box or or, or 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 box with somebody. You come down and you be a part of what we getting ready to do. So I love what AP is doing. I can't, I'm i so excited for him and his hopefully tenure with the Raiders because I think they got a good one. They bet not let it get away.
2: Let's focus on this a little bit more. Can you give us an understanding of the role the practice squad plays on the NFL team?
1: Well, the practice squad players play a very, very pivotal role. Not only on you on the practice squad to give the scout team a certain look on the offense, defense, special teams, but also to get better, to also just to get better for yourself because one day you may be moved up to the 53-man roster. In the NFL, a lot, like when I played, we had practice squad players, but I played, believe it or not, as the number one overall pick, a starter for 11 years, high accolades in this league. I took scout team. They used to have to take me off the field doing scout team reps because they just, I would just burn out, they felt. And so it's good to have practice squad guys on there, but I was still some of their reps just because I wanted to get better too. I'm not gonna let them catch me.
2: A TikTok video surfaced showing Ravens all pro tight end Mark Andrews, who is a diabetic, checking his blood sugar on the sideline in the middle of the game. Take a look.
1: how did that do, brother? Chest my
2: blood sugar? Do Every yeah. time I come off the field? Yeah.
0: yeah. I bet you he's gonna. It was so, when it's, my blood probably sugar's probably a little higher, higher, I gotta give yeah, insulin, probably, yeah. bring it down. When it's low, I take some sugar, like some Gatorade or something like that.
2: Fans don't often see this side of NFL players, and we tend to forget they're human off the field. Keyshaw, what's your reaction to this?
1: I've never personally seen anything like this. I'm just like, oh, my goodness, what if he forgets or something? I, I don't know. I mean, I don't – I'm glad that he's doing it. I'm glad that he remembers to do it because if it was me, I probably wouldn't remember to do it because I would be so locked in on the football side that even though this is this is obviously more serious than playing a game of football, I just probably – I don't know. I would probably forget. But a good it's a good thing that he's doing it. And it gives, I guess it gives the fans an in-depth look at reality and, and football players or people too. They're just not some guys in uniforms that they're actually people. So, you know, I'm glad he's doing it though. Let's get on a lighter note. We got
2: former MVP Cam Newton saying ex-Panthers QB Jimmy Clausen tried to charge him a million dollars for a jersey number when he was in the NFL. Watch this.
1: But how you solidify the number, though, number one? I don't even want number
2: one. Man, Jimmy Claussen, we cool now, Jimbo. He's like, shit, if you want it, you got to pay for it. I was like, cool, how much? He said a million. One million dollars. I said, boy, kiss my ass, bro. I said a million dollars, bro. I said, bro, people don't make a million dollars in a lifetime, let alone I'm going to give you a million dollars just for a fucking number, bro. So I thought he was playing. The motherfucker comes back and said, OK, bro, I'll talk to my people. We'll do it for $750,000. I said, oh, oh, you for real? I hung that phone up. True story, hung that phone up. I called the equipment man. I said, I'm rocking with number one. I made an oath to myself. I said, that will be the last time Jimmy Carlson will ever be heard of in Carolina. But how you started, too, you always had to?
1: First of all, nobody's giving anybody a million dollars for their damn number. And I know Jimmy. I know Jimmy very well. Very, very well. And if this is true, which I don't, which I doubt that Cam Newton is even making the story up, it's probably true. Cam first picked, money, you know, the whole deal. So of course, Jimmy Clausen probably said, I need a million. If that was to ever happen to me, i will just waited him out. You're going to get cut anyway, dog. I ain't even worried about it. That, no, that's real talk. If somebody had 19 on a team that I was going to and 19 was available, I mean, 19 wasn't available, and he approached me and he said, you know, I'll give him 20, 10, 15, maybe even 30, 40, maybe even 50. I may just, you know, just because. But if he tried to tell me some, 100,000, 200,000, 750, a million. Oh, no, I'm gonna wait for your ass to get, you're gonna, you're gonna get cut anyway. In fact, I'm gonna tell him to cut your ass and give me the number. That's just the, the reality of it. I'm surprised Cam didn't do that. I'd be like, man, you don't tell that dude to get out of two? Get get, get this dude out of two, man. That's, that's how you handle that. Obviously, right. obviously, a jersey number means a lot to a player. Keyshawn, what did the number 19 mean to you? Well, actually, I wore three in college. And I originally applied to get number three at the New York Jets when I was drafted. I wore three in practice with the Jets, but they wouldn't allow me to wear three because at this point in time, uh, single digits couldn't be awarded to skill position players. So what they decided to do when we petitioned it was allow me to select a number in the teens. And so at the time, Pat Kerwin, who was our assistant general manager, son said, hey, I want to pick your jersey number for you. And we went down to the equipment room and he picked 19 because he said number one and three times three is nine. And so I was like, okay, I was number three, I was number one, a number one overall pick. Okay, cool, I'll take 19. Nobody else in the league for about, I want to say probably a six, seven, eight year period of time, could not wear anything at the receiver position but an 80 number. I was the only player that had a team number at the receiver position for a very, very long time. And so agents and players complained about that because they called me individualizing myself, which, okay, so what? You're not me, I'm not you. We are individuals, we're different. And then eventually uh, they continued to complain to the point that the competition committee signed off on opening up the team numbers to receivers because the players wanted to try to individualize themselves as well. See, I'm always setting some standards around here, though. Just the reality of it.
2: All right, moving on. All pro linebacker Roquan Smith recently expressed gratitude with his trade from the Bears to the Ravens. He said, Man, it makes me so happy just knowing my career is not going down the drain. Keyshawn, you've been in Roquan's shoes. Can you speak to being traded and finding success on a new team?
1: You know, when I was traded from the from the um New York Jets to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We were successful in New York. It came down to a contract dispute on the economics of setting a precedent on wanting me, or me wanting them to rip up my contract. So they decided that they would rather trade me than set a precedent in the locker room with a guy with two and a half years left on his deal and rip it up. I was fine with that. I went on to win a Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then I went on to Dallas after Tampa, and I went on to Carolina. So I never was in a situation where I felt like the organizations that I was with never had a chance to win. I didn't go to a doormat organization. I went to a doormat when I was drafted, and then we eventually got Bill Parcells, and we became the bullies on the block. Um, so I understand exactly what he said. I feel his pain. I'm glad that he's in a much better spot. The Chicago Bears organization has been upside down for years, and they still upside down, they still can't figure it out. In fact, they may have to get a new head coach at the end of the season, so I'm not shocked at all he feels this way.
2: Finally, to wrap the show, some news that broke the internet. Travis Kelsey has been named this year's sexiest athlete by People Magazine. Keyshawn, did People Magazine get this right, or is this the
1: Taylor Swift effect coming into play? I, I would say if this is how they feel, they got it right. I, I don't, you know, I don't subscribe to it. Whatever whatever they say he is, he is. I'm sure you could go on a long laundry list of professional athletes that would probably disagree and say, well, I'm the sexiest athlete uh, this year, you know? So if, if People Magazine, these magazines, they got a, like you said, the Taylor Swift effect, they got their own way of couching who the sexiest man alive is. I've been on teams with people that have been considered the sexiest man alive for People Magazine. And let me tell you, ain't nowhere near sex nothing. Some of the ugliest dudes that you could think of. But, you know, that's just, it's the hype, man. It's just the, it's the hype. Keysha- it's it's
2: PR. Keyshawn, we're seeing a lot more Travis Kelsey these days. Can the right woman change the level of stardom in your career?
1: Can the right woman change the level of stardom in one's career? I, I think so. I think the right man and woman can change stardom in one's career. That's why they call it power couples. That's why certain guys and girls connect and all of a sudden they're everywhere because in our society, especially in the social media world, they get fascinated with this sort of stuff. This stuff is like, ooh, gossip juicy. Look at this. Oh, my God. And you look at it sometimes, you go, Nah, man, that ain't, she's not good looking and neither is he. And, and, but they, it's, I don't know. You see it all the time. I, and I tell people all day long, I don't give a damn. I got some of the most beautiful kids in the world, by far. I'll put mine up with anybody. But at the end of the day, I don't walk around dressing my kids up so that the paparazzis can see them. And people go, oh, they're so adorable. And they put them on the magazine. Now nah, let them live their lives. And if they want to be something like that as they get older, then I'll allow them to do that. But you. Man, I I ain't talking about nobody kids, but it be some some little rascal-looking dudes they be talking about cute. Oh, he's so cute. I'm like, nah, man. Uh Uh-uh. Look like a little wet rat. That wraps up today's show. Thanks for joining me, and see you next week for more reaction to the biggest stories in sports. Keep it locked. You know, that's what they say nowadays. It's Keyshawn Johnson.